God's Word comes to us from 1 Peter chapter 3. We're going to be reading once again the first seven verses of this chapter, but our focus tonight is going to be just on verse 7. 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. What we hear now is God's word. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives, when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry, or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart, with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, we continue our look at Peter's call to holiness in our lives. Uh, last week, we looked at the word to wives, that they were to be subject to their husbands. And I mentioned last week that although uh, this text does speak directly to wives, it speaks to others as well, uh, not only to those who are married, but to those who may choose to be married someday. I said it spoke to our young men as to what type of wife they should look for. Well, the same is true this evening as we look at verse 7 and its address to husbands. Uh, this is not only for husbands. It is for those who may someday be husbands. And it is also for our young women. What is it you should look for as you consider uh, dating a man and perhaps marrying someday? I said last week that uh, at the beginning of this chapter, the words wives be subject to your own husbands may sound strange to our ears today. Uh, but remember, uh, Peter is addressing how we are to be subject uh, in the various parts of our lives. We are to be subject to the civil authorities. We are to be subject in, to our work authorities. Wives are to be subject to their husbands. So we might expect... As Peter goes on in verse 7, likewise, that he would say, likewise, husbands, be subject to your wives. We might expect that. That's been his kind of refrain as he's going through this call to holiness. But that's not what he says to us tonight. He doesn't call husbands to be subject to their wives. Peter is going to highlight for us this evening the difference between husband and and wife. And again, that is somewhat countercultural. 
Uh, we live in a time where everyone wants uh, complete equality. We all want to be equal. We all want to be exactly the same. But that is worldly wisdom. That is not godly wisdom. God has placed an authority structure in a marriage. We talked about part of that last week, the authority structure of wives being subject to husbands. And now this evening, the, the obligation husbands have toward their wives. That they are to live with their wives in an understanding way, showing honor to them so that their prayers might not be hindered. A call to faithfulness to the Christian husband. And I would suggest in this, in this one verse we look at tonight, there are really three characteristics of a Christian husband. He is an understanding man. He is an honoring man. And he is a praying man. These three characteristics of the Christian husband. Peter says, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Uh, that's, that's an interesting way to translate uh, what the text says. A, a more literal translation would be, live with your wives according to knowledge. Live with your wives according to knowledge. Now, what does the understanding man have to know? Well, certainly the first thing he has to know is God's design for the marriage relationship. He has to understand that, that he is to be instructed not by the ways of the world, but by the ways of God. We sometimes use the term in marriage relationships of the husband that he is the, the head of his wife. What does that mean? I think if we were honest, we would have to say that that idea of male headship has been misused in the past. It has been misused to say that the husband is the king of his castle and he can do whatever he wants. But just because, because that idea of headship has been misused doesn't mean we do away with its intended use. He is to live with his wife according to knowledge of what of what God expects in the husband-wife relationship. Of what God expects of him as the head of his home. And men, if, if, if you want a picture of what that looks like, to be the head of your home, God has given us a beautiful picture. In the relationship between Jesus Christ the bridegroom, and the church, his bride. Certainly, Jesus Christ is the head of the church. He is the only head of the church. How does he exercise that headship? What has he done for his bride? He has not made unreasonable demands of her. In fact, just the opposite. Jesus Christ has given up everything for the sake of his bride, the church. Jesus Christ has given up even his own life for his bride. 
That is the picture we get of the husband being the head of his wife as Christ is the head of his church. Loving her more than you love your own desires. Loving her even more than you love yourself. You want to be the head of the home? That's what headship looks like. It looks like Jesus Christ giving up himself, giving up his life for the sake of his bride. We are to live with our, li- our wives according to knowledge, understanding what the marriage relationship is to look like. We are to live with our wives knowing them. And so I ask you men, how well do you know your wife? If we had a quiz this evening, what is her favorite color? What is her favorite restaurant? What is her favorite movie or TV show? And I'm already getting blank stares (laughs) from many of the men in the congregation. And I include myself in that. Uh, what did she wear to church this morning? Could you answer that question, man? What did your wife wear to church this morning? Are you noticing her, taking notice? I remember, this was a long, long, long time ago when our kids were you know, still in the house and it was, uh, it was Mother's Day and uh, my oldest daughter, Nicole, said, hey, Dad, we should go out and get a corsage for Mom for Mother's Day. And so, of course, you know, being a thoughtful husband, I waited till Saturday night and then... Uh, went out and found a store that would sell me a corsage, and the lady behind the counter said, what color is your wife's dress? And I said, I didn't know there was a test involved with this. All I want is flowers. I said, Nicole, what color is mom's dress? So yes, uh, men, we're often not good at noticing some of these things. Of course, these are the, (laughs) the lesser things of life. But I would ask you the question, how well do you know your wife with regard to her goals in life. How how well do you know her with regard to what she sees as, as fulfilling the role God has given to her in the home and in society? How well do you know her desires, her aspirations, We are to live with our wives according to knowledge, knowing who they are. How how much do you know about her frustrations? Maybe if there's children at home yet, the children are a frustration to her at times. (laughs) Maybe it's you that's the frustration. How well do you know your wife? Of course, to know her takes time and a desire to know her to continue to know what is important in her life. You know, when we, when we meet someone and, and we're dating someone, we want to know all about them. Tell me all about your childhood and tell me about this and tell me about that. And then, and then if we eventually marry, uh, that idea of, of continuing to know each other kind of f- tends to fall away. But we have to, we have to as husbands, continue to, to know our wives, to live with them according to knowledge. Of course, one of the ways we'll do that is by listening to her, 
by listening to what she has to say. And I know that this is obvious, but I'm going to say it anyway. One of the ways to listen to her is to stop talking, to let her do the talking, to, to give her your undivided attention. And I can assure you, men, your undivided attention is not given when you have one eye on the newspaper and one eye on the television and you're halfway listening to what she's saying. That is not undivided attention. Live with our wives according to knowledge, knowing what is important to them. And then, and then learning that knowledge, the understanding man acts on that knowledge. And, and, and if there are things that, that, uh, that we as husbands are doing that are, are contributing to her frustration, then we stop doing those things. If, if she's concerned that she's overwhelmed by caring for the children, then when we come home from work, we help with the care of the children. And we, we encourage her to fulfill God's calling for her. This is the understanding man who, who lives with his wife according to knowledge. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. The Christian husband is an understanding man. He understands marriage. He understands his role as head of the home. And he knows his wife and acts in a way that will be an encouragement to her. He's an understanding man. He's also an honoring man. Peter goes on, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. I said last week that some of the language of women uh, being subject to their husbands would be uh, considered hate speech. Certainly this language is hate speech, that the woman is the weaker vessel. What does Peter mean when he says that? Well, as we talked about last week, he is not saying, he is not saying that our women are somehow weaker intellectually, that they're, they're weaker with regard to the things that they know. They often know much more than we husbands do. They are not weaker uh, spiritually. In many ways, our wives are functionally the spiritual head of the home. Who is it? that teaches our children? Who is it that reads the Bible stories with them? Who is it that memorizes scripture with them? Who is it that sings the songs of Zion with them? Who is it that teaches them to pray? No, our women, our, our wives are not lesser spiritually. But when he uses this phrase here, the woman as a weaker vessel, it, it, it carries with it this connotation. The idea of something very precious. Something very special. Uh, kids, you might think of it this way. Uh, at Christmas time uh, in our home, we put up a Christmas tree. And we have lots of ornaments on that tree. And some of those ornaments are very, very old. They come from my parents. They even come from my grandparents. And when we, when we uh, put those ornaments back in the box, we're very, very careful 
as we take them off the tree and we, we wrap them in tissue paper and we carefully put them in the carton and then bring that carefully to its spot in the garage. We don't just treat it casually. It's, it's a very special, precious, wonderful thing. That's the idea that Peter is getting at here. This, this very special, ornate gift from God that we are to honor honoring her as this wonderful, special, precious thing. And so as husbands, as Christian husbands, we are to honor her with our words. We're to honor her with how we speak about her. How do we husbands refer to our wives? Do we refer to her as the old ball and chain? That's not a very respectful, honoring way to talk of her. We're to speak about her with respect as something special, as a, as a precious gift to be handled with care. How do we speak about her? How do we speak to her? Our wives... Are, are a special gift from God. They are not our employees. If you're an employer, you speak to your employees in a certain way. Our wives are not our employees. They are not our colleagues. Our wives are not one of the boys. Our wives are a special gift from God and should be spoken to that way in an honoring way, in a caring way, in, 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 in a gentle way. We are to honor our wives with our words. And of course, beyond that, we are to honor our wives with our actions, taking special care of them. As I said earlier, listening to them, asking them how was their day. And, and and when we have to make a decision and we talk with our wives about what the best course of action is, valuing her advice, valuing her input, trusting that she might know better than we do as husbands, honoring her in our actions, and doing that both in public and in private, not only when we come to church, not only honoring our wives in church, or not only when we're out with our friends, but at home. Men, when you're home alone with your wife, do you honor her with your words? Do you honor her with your actions as a special, precious, wonderful gift from God? This is what the honoring man does. And, and then, as if you needed any further motivation to do that, Peter reminds us of this. Honor them as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. If you need more motivation to care for your wife, don't forget they are heirs with you of the grace of life. Christ died for them. Christ loved them so much that he would give up his life for the sake of your wife. How dare we? 
treat them with anything but the highest honor. Christ loved them so much. The call is for us to love them as well. As this wonderful, special, precious gift from God, one who is also an heir of the grace of life, one who is a gift given to us by God himself. Treat her that way. The Christian husband is an understanding man. He's an honoring man. And he's a praying man. How does Peter conclude? He says, do these things so that your prayers may not be hindered. Do these things that your prayers may not be hindered. Now, of course, the assumption is that the husband is praying. The assumption is he is a praying man, and this is how he lives, so his prayers aren't hindered. What is it that the Christian husband spends time praying for? Well, he prays for his wife. And, and, and not just thanking God for her. Certainly, we do that as husbands. We are so thankful to God for the wives he has given to us. And he prays, he prays those prayers of thanksgiving. But beyond that, he prays for her. He prays for her needs. He prays for her desires. He prays for her frustrations. He prays these things because he knows her. Man, how much time did you spend this last week in prayer for your wife? Not just thanking God, but in prayer for her needs, for her desires, for her concerns, for her hurts, for her joys. The Christian husband is a praying man. He prays for his wife. The Christian husband is one who, who leads his family in prayer. Uh, when the children are at home, he prays with them uh, uh, family devotions. And it, it's easy for us as the children grow and move out of the house to let those devotion times go by the side. But they are to continue between husband and wife. Continue in prayer. Husbands, it's your responsibility to lead your wife in those devotional times as you, as you gather for meals together. Yes, you have your own personal devotions and perhaps she has her personal devotions too. But you do pray together as well. Husbands, that's your responsibility to lead in that time of devotion. You are the spiritual head of the home. That is what God, God has called you to. That's the authority structure he's put in place. And so the, the responsibility is yours to be a praying man for your wife and with your wife. And, and if that has not been a part of your life as husband and wife, I would encourage you tonight, husbands, uh, to begin to begin that practice of uh, praying with your wife. And then wives, as the loving helpers to your husband, if he says to you, let's spend time in prayer, then don't sound shocked, but encourage him and be thankful for that. And spend that time, even if it's only a brief time before a meal together or after a meal together in prayer. Last week, I, I asked the wives, uh, when was the last time you verbally 
encouraged your husband, told him you were thankful for him. Tonight I ask the husbands, when is the last time you prayed with your wife? Not only praying for her, but praying with her. This is, this is the call to holiness in marriage. In this whole section, Peter is calling us to holiness in life. And he's laying out for us the authority structures God has put in place. God's authority in the civil realm. God's authority in our employment. And God's authority in the marriage relationship. That wives are to be subject to their husbands. And husbands, you are to live with your wives according to knowledge. Knowing God's plan for the marriage. You can go to a, a Christian bookstore and find many books about the secret to a happy marriage. I would let you know that there is no secret. It is simply listening to the word of God. 1 Peter 1, 3 uh, verses 1 through 7 is the secret to a happy marriage. Doing things God's way. Because this is the marriage that will be blessed by God. And so as I encouraged the wives last week to begin now, to begin now to show that subjection, I, I encourage the husbands tonight to begin now to show that Christ-like leadership. Don't wait for some time later, oh, I'll start this next year, I'll start this down in the future. Start tonight. The responsibility is yours to be the loving and leading head of your home, knowing your wife, honoring your wife, praying with and for your wife. And men, if you, like me, come under the conviction of the word of God tonight and know that we have been negligent, I want to remind you and I want to encourage you that there is forgiveness. If we ask God, he most certainly will forgive us for failing to live up to his holy standard for our marriages. God is loving and forgiving when we turn to him in repentance. That's the call of the gospel tonight. If you are living in a way that is out of accord with the ways of God, he calls you tonight to leave that behind, to embrace Jesus Christ, to put your faith in him. And then to, then to know the assurance of salvation, the joy of salvation, and out of love for God then, to live in a way that is pleasing. There is forgiveness. There's forgiveness from God. And there is forgiveness from our wives. If we have not been the loving heads of our homes, if we have been more uh, the ruling tyrant not living according to knowledge, not knowing or even caring to know. We can be forgiven by God. When we come to our wives in repentance, we can be forgiven by them. And then, and then recognizing the grace of God in our lives together, we commit. We commit to go forward living in the light of God's holy word living in the light of the call to holiness. Holiness in the civil realm, holiness in our work realm, holiness in our marriages at home. Living according to God's righteous standard. 
Not only wives being subject, but husbands being understanding, being honoring, and being a praying man on behalf of your wife to the glory of God. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, your word comes to us and it is so uh, clear and it calls us to a particular way of life. Lord God, if we have failed to heed your holy word, we do ask for your forgiveness. We pray that for the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, you would wash us and cleanse us from our iniquities. Lord God, you would help us. Help us from tonight forward to live in the way you've called us to live as husbands, as wives. To live this way, O oh God, for this is the path of blessedness. To live this way for your honor and glory. To live this way to show you our gratitude for the glorious gift of salvation, for the forgiveness that we have in your Son, Jesus Christ. O oh Lord God, hear our prayer, for we offer it in Jesus' name. Amen.